Welcome to the I Matter Podcast, future-proof your business, career, teams, and organization. Here's your host, Gahan Pereira. Hello and welcome to the I Matter Podcast. I'm recording this in Sydney at the tail end of a three-week road trip involving Sydney. I went all the way to Cape Town in South Africa, then back to Sydney, then to Melbourne, and now back in Sydney. Really looking forward to being back home in Perth soon. And the purpose of the trip, well, the main purpose of the trip has been to speak at various conferences across different industries. Now, I reckon in a three-month time frame, I will have spoken at conferences in healthcare, financial planning, entrepreneurship, higher education, the property industry, travel, and a few others as well. And it's interesting because they all have different challenges and opportunities, but there are some common threads as well. And innovation is high on the list of priorities, much higher than ever before, and, and with good reason as well, because in the past, innovation was just something you didn't have to worry about, you left it to your R&D team. And if you're leading the team or you're involved at senior management level, innovation might have been important, but otherwise, not so much. But that's not the case anymore. Innovation is everybody's business now. And if you're not innovating, wherever you are, whatever team you're leading, you'll be left behind. And at the same time, the old way of doing innovation doesn't work anymore. You don't have months and years to work on new things. Uh, people can't dedicate 100% of their time to innovation. And from a really practical viewpoint, um, it's hard to innovate in a team where all the people aren't together in the same room. Sometimes they aren't even in the same building, the same city or the same country, and yet they have to innovate. So today I want to talk about the clash of those two things. So innovation being a priority, but the fact that we've got now distributed teams being a challenge. So how do you make innovation happen in distributed teams? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I discussed this recently with my friend, Dr. Chris Pudney, and we talked about this from three perspectives. So first of all, you, the individual team member who works away from an office, then uh, from a leader's perspective, your team, if you're leading or managing a team and you need to create an, an environment for innovation with some or, or all of your team members uh, away from your office. And then the third perspective is the world, which is calling on the rest of the world to help you innovate. So let's join the conversation now. Today, we're going to talk about innovation. Great. And, and we're going to talk about innovating in distributed teams because um, some of those things are different. And innovation in many organizations happens in certain departments, like you might have an R&D department, you might have market research, and they do the kind of big innovation in the organization. But a lot of innovation now comes from individuals in your organization, so people who just work in ordinary teams, they just have good ideas, they share them and have them implemented. And in fact, some of the best ideas come from individuals in the team rather than from an R&D department. And traditionally, that kind of spontaneous innovation um, happens in offices because people are kind of bumping into each other. Um, and with distributed teams, there seems to be a belief that that can't happen anymore. Um, and that's not true. And it's a really important myth to dispel because that kind of innovation is more important than ever before. You need that sort of strong innovation culture in your team, but you might need to design it because you have distributed teams and you don't have opportunities for people to, to bump into each other all the time. Um, but there, there are examples of companies like Google and Apple where they insist that everyone works in the same office and part of the reason for that is because they, they believe that that creates greater innovation or greater opportunities for people to have informal chats and to spark ideas and they work very hard to create those sort of opportunities within their office buildings and, and sometimes people say that because these are very innovative organizations, you know, we want to be like Google and Apple and they say that must be the way that you must innovate but that's not the only way and increasingly we have got 
these distributed teams and uh, it is possible to create a culture of innovation in that kind of team as long as you do it by design and doing it by design means overcoming that that feeling of okay well your distributed team members are out of sight out of mind and therefore they're not as important therefore they can't be involved in innovation that's just not true so we're going to talk today about how to innovate in a distributed team and um, you know some of these apply some of these ideas do apply to your in-person innovation so people are innovating within your office but we're going to focus specifically on the differences when building a culture of innovation for a team that does have some out-of-office workers and we look at them in three areas so how you as an individual can innovate especially if you're an out-of-office worker and as a leader or manager how you can help your team innovate and then also how to reach out to the rest of the world Okay, so let's start with you as an individual out-of-office worker, and that's important, obviously, because part of innovation is individuals coming up with great ideas. So as an out-of-office worker, you need to create those opportunities for innovation by making the time and space available that you need to do research, to think creatively, and to capture and develop your ideas. So some time ago, Gihan, we uh, we read a Harvard Business Review article called The Daily Routines of Geniuses. And one of those routines that uh, people like Tchaikovsky and Dickens and Beethoven participated in was that they took long daily walks. And this allowed them to clear their minds and allow inspiration to strike. Now, as an out-of-office worker, you might not be able to afford to spend a couple of days each day wandering through the forest or going down to the park. But what you can do is that you can block out some regular time in your calendar that you've set aside for things thinking and reading and developing your ideas. Another thing that you can do is to make use of those times when your mind is free to wander. So, for instance, if you're doing your exercise, if you're at the gym or going for a run or having a swim, uh, you're pretty much on autopilot and, again, you can let your mind wander and you can start thinking about those ideas that might be percolating and, and allow them to develop. And also while you're doing mundane tasks, so doing the washing up or taking a shower again, you're pretty much on autopilot and you can let your mind wander and, and uh, develop the ideas that you're working on. Yeah, and I think you've made a really important point there, Chris. It's not just making the time, but also making the space. So you might find that certain environments are better for innovation. And as an out-of-office worker, you have the advantage of being able to choose your environment. So you might work at a desk in your home office most of the time, but then you could work outside or you could find a, a co-working space. Um, you might even find that there's certain things that you do to make it better for creative thinking. So you might work in a cafe because you like that buzz. Uh, and in fact, there are apps like Coffeeativity that will simulate the buzz of a, of a cafe, even while you're working at home, because that might spark more creative ideas. Yeah, and so when it comes to sparking those ideas, it's important that you set out first to do some research. So you actually have to know stuff before these ideas are going to happen. So as an out-of-office worker, you're going to be adept at using the cloud and the internet. You'll be reading articles online, subscribing to blogs, or listening to podcasts, and following thought leaders online. And the idea is to do two things. Firstly, research broadly so that you expose yourself to ideas and concepts from outside your area of expertise. And then within your area of expertise, research deeply. So be up to date on the latest thinking on what works, new ideas and developments and technologies, so that you're absolutely bang up to date. And then this is the kind of chemistry by researching broadly and deeply. This is the kind of chemistry that Google and Apple are seeking when they're trying to bring people together from different disciplines uh, and hope, hopefully that, that cross-fertilisation of ideas leads to, inter, to innovation. 
Yeah, and I think especially for out of office workers, Chris, uh, make sure you've got some system for capturing your ideas because you might be working alone for much of the time and when the ideas come to you, you may not instantly be able to peek over a cubicle wall and say, um, hey, hey, I've got this great idea. So make sure you have a system for capturing the ideas. Um, I really like Evernote. Evernote is an excellent app and most people don't use it uh, to its full extent, but it's great for things like taking photos. So you can take photos of the, that spark ideas, but even take photos of handwritten notes. And uh, I do that when I go to meetings, I take handwritten notes and then immediately after the meeting, I'll snap them with Evernote and then it gets filed away so that I've got that available all the time. And it, it even has handwriting recognition, which is pretty good. So I can, I can search my notes later and it can even decipher my, my chicken scroll of a handwriting <laughs> and uh, and it figures it out and uh, I think something like Evernote is great and the other thing about Evernote is that it's cloud-based and whatever tools you use with this Evernote or a note-taking tool or a mind-mapping tool make sure that everything is in the cloud because then you can take notes on your phone and then have it available on your tablet and your computer and, and even if it's only in your personal cloud that's fine uh, it's even better if it's if those tools have got some way of sharing it with the rest of your team Okay, then. So that's enough about you. What about your team? Yes, and your team. So we're talking here about leaders and managers and what can you do as a leader or manager of a distributed team to to build that culture of innovation. And when we say team here, that could be an entire small business where you're the business owner. It could be a small team within a large organization or even if you're a leader within a large organization, so you're the head of the organization. And I've written about this in my book, The Future of Leadership. There's a chapter about innovation and broadly I say there are three stages. So first, create the right environment. Second, spark ideas by asking interesting questions. And third, recognize and reward those ideas. And we'll, we'll skip the middle one, the one about sparking ideas about asking interesting questions. Uh, it's important, but I think the sort of questions you can ask are the same, whether you've got people in office or out of office. But the other two do have some important factors for out-of-office work. So, for example, if you start with the, the first one, which is creating the right environment for innovation, uh, make sure that you, you do give permission for people to be innovative. Um, the, the first thing that you can do and the easiest thing that you can do is to be open to new ideas yourself. And, and make sure that your out-of-office workers see that. It's very easy in the office when somebody presents an idea for you to be enthusiastic about it, but it's not so easy, um, it's not so apparent when an out-of-office worker sends you an email uh, to see your enthusiasm on your face unless you reply to them saying, hey, Chris, that was a great idea. So, so do that and make a conscious effort to do that. Um, and the other thing you can do in giving permission, especially to your out-of-office workers, is to recognize that they have a different perspective on the workplace. They're kind of, they've got that the best of both worlds. They're, ex, they're outsiders, so they're external from the organization, but they're insiders as well. So encourage them to question and criticize and challenge things that are happening, and some of their insights may be really valuable, and they may come up with different ideas than your in-office workers would do. Excellent. So as I said with uh, individual out-of-office workers, it's, it's the same with teams that you need to make available the time and space necessary for innovation. So you probably have regular team meetings, so schedule some time where you can discuss the problems that you're working on. And obviously you want to include your distributed team members, so ensure that your out-of-office workers are part of that. Now, they might be regular meetings where uh, they're based on a particular project that you're working on and you have particular problems to solve, but 
often ideas come up that have nothing to do with a particular piece of work and you want to be able to share and capture those. So you might have an agenda item in a, in a standard office where you get together once a week and have the opportunity to discuss that. Again, make sure that you include your out-of-office workers in that process by having an online meeting or a teleconference or something like that where you can get together and you regularly make sure that you discuss and capture the ideas uh, that all of your distributed team are developing and having. And I think even when you host those online meetings, Chris, for out-of-office workers, actually for online meetings in general, they tend to be very efficient. People turn up on the dot, they get through the material, and then they hang up at the end. And maybe you want to allow a little bit of leeway, so you might have five minutes, you know, five minutes before the meeting starts, everyone turns up and they have a little bit of a chat, because then you have that informal conversation that sometimes sparks interesting ideas. Yeah, absolutely. It's that those incidental moments that uh, Google and Apple are trying to engineer in canteens, you can make space for them in your regular get-togethers online. Yep. So as well as uh, those meeting spaces, you can also have a space where you share those ideas because inspiration can strike at any moment. And you mentioned Evernote earlier for capturing those ideas as, a, as an individual, but you want to share them with your team members as well. So you want to make sure that as soon as you capture them, they're shared in some way. So you can use things like um, a, a wiki page that is devoted to sharing ideas and people can build on, on them as well. They can leave comments and, and add notes as well on that wiki. Um, and there's a tool called Yammer, which is a little bit like a closed version of Facebook for using within organizations. And you can have discussion threads or groups associated with particular topics, which are a great place for exchanging ideas. And then there's another company, Incentive. They provide a platform that rewards and recognizes um, people contributing solutions to problems and ideas. So you can use tools like that as a way of bringing your distributed workforce together online to develop ideas that they're coming up with. And what these tools have in common is that they're pull rather than push. So that means that people can participate and make use of those tools at a time that suits them rather than, say, having an instant message or a, an email appear in their inbox that clutters up their work uh, using the, that's the push method. So opt for pull tools over push tools. And finally, I think the message, the most important message is that we keep your out-of-office workers in the loop throughout the innovation process. So Always include them. Try not to neglect them. Don't think that you're shielding or protecting them by omitting them. You're actually missing out on opportunities if you don't involve them in the innovation process from beginning to end. I think that's, as you said, Chris, that is the most important point, that yeah, it comes back to what we said at the start, that it's easy to think of them as out of sight, out of mind. And not deliberately, it just happens mm. that you, you actually have to think consciously about your out-of-office workers. And when you're looking at being innovative in your team or sparking ideas, just make sure that you include your out-of-office workers as well. Um, in office, it's easy to do things like, okay, folks, let's get together and come up with some ideas or do some brainstorming and um, you bring people together in a meeting room, but then those out-of-office workers get neglected or they get ignored. And it's very hard, even if you bring them in as an individual uh, listening in on a teleconference call, it's hard for them to have the same sort of input. So make sure you've got the tools that do that. Um, I know that LinkedIn, for example, is an organization that regularly brings in guest speakers and speakers from, um, from all areas, not just to do with social media. And part of the reason they do that is just to help their, their team members or their staff um, just get new ideas and new perspectives and 
you know, lots of organizations are doing things like that. But again, sometimes you've got to be careful that you don't ignore or neglect the out-of-office workers uh, just because they don't happen to be, just because it's inconvenient to include them as well. That's right. So once you've had these ideas, it's time to take action. And we've talked about making sure that you share your ideas. So you have an idea, put it onto one of these platforms that you've set up for sharing the ideas. They need to be online where everyone in the distributed team has access. And then actually take action on them. Don't let them just languish on a wiki page, um, getting bit rot. Um, I think there's a, an entrepreneurial mantra that is um, fail f- Fail fast, fail early or something like that, Kieran, or fail often. Um, But the idea there is that uh, you try and implement some of these ideas that you've come up with and you might be successful and that's great. You can develop that idea or it might fail and that means you've got an opportunity to focus your efforts elsewhere or perhaps ask new questions. Why didn't we think about that or how do we overcome this new problem that we've discovered? So by taking action, you're actually moving forward on your ideas. Yeah, and I think that the other thing you've got to do is to recognize and reward ideas and recognize and reward innovation. And those two things are slightly different, so recognize and reward. Um, many innovators, they actually don't need to be rewarded. Uh, and in fact, there's some research that shows that rewarding people too much can actually harm innovation or has some unintended consequences. Uh, but many people are just happy to be recognized. And in that case, just make sure that your out-of-office workers are equally included in the recognition. Uh, for example, in my business book club, one of the members who works for a, a large company in Perth, uh, she said that they've got a very strong innovation culture within the organization and they have a best idea of the month trophy. And that trophy is just handed around uh, to the person who gets the best idea of the month. And it's just a little token. I think they might get a little voucher or something as well. But basically, it's, uh, this person gets a trophy. They can keep it on their desk for the month and um, their chest swells with pride for that month because they're recognized as the, uh, the best idea of the month. So what's your out-of-office equivalent for that? Because your out-of-office workers, even if you ship them the trophy, it probably doesn't mean as much to them <laughs> uh, as it does to the people who are in the office and people are, the, you know, the co-workers are walking by all the time. So make sure that the way you recognize uh, innovation includes your out-of-office workers as well. Um, and then if you do want to reward innovation, um, because some people are motivated by reward, consider ways to reward the best ideas in ways that you know, include your out-of-office workers as well. Um, so choose rewards that are appropriate for them. Some offices or some teams recognize and reward uh, innovation by having parties. You know, they might have a pizza party or go out to celebrate. Um, and again, that sort of thing doesn't work for your out-of-office workers. So maybe they would rather that you gave them some sort of voucher that they could use. Um, and once you start doing that, you might even recognize that some of the people in the office would actually appreciate that more. Because uh, I know a friend of mine who said that you know, she had an innovation prog- program and the people in their office, I think they all went out to dinner, but the people who were uh, distributed or remote, they got a book voucher. And she said, well, how come I didn't get a book voucher? I would have preferred that. So, you know, everyone's different. So treat people differently and uh, reward them appropriately. Great. So we've talking about, talked about individuals and teams. What about reaching out to the rest of the world? And the benefit here is that you're interacting with people who are actually outside your business. And that can be particularly valuable because these people bring fresh perspectives and ideas to things. Their thinking isn't necessarily constrained by the limits that you might be unconsciously applying to your own problem solving. 
So as an out-of-office worker, you're probably used to using online platforms. So you can crowdsource this process. You can reach out to the rest of the world and crowdsource. So when it comes to looking to, looking for solutions, you can post questions in online forums. Uh, there's a really good one that's Stack Exchange, called Stack Exchange. It really has a large number of people contributing answers to questions. Often if I type a question into Google, one of the top hits will be Stack Exchange where someone has already asked the question that I'm, I'm posing and there's already a solution being posted. And I think one of the secrets or one of the reasons Stack Exchange has been successful is this idea of recognition that you just mentioned, Gihan. People who contribute solutions get little mini mini points, a point system, and there's a league table, and they get little badges and tokens, and I think that's, uh, that's helped Stack Exchange become a really valuable online resource. So what happens once you've got uh, a solution, you actually want to take action and implement it, but you might not have the resources personally or in your team to do that. So again, you can reach out to the rest of the world and use talent markets like Upwork, which was formerly known as Odesk and Elance, or Topcoder and Kaggle, and you can use the rest of the world as the space where you find talent to get your solutions implemented and take action. And what about if you need capital? What if you don't actually have the money to pay for your implementation? Again, you can crowdsource by reaching out to crowdfunding websites like Kickstarter and Indiegogo where you pitch your idea that you want to get implemented and if it engages with the, with the rest of the world, then they'll actually chip in a few dollars and together, uh, they'll do that on the promise of a sticker or their name on a list, uh, together they can uh, raise the capital that you need to get your solutions implemented. I think you're making a really important point here, Chris, and I wouldn't want that point to be lost with for teams in larger organizations because I think many many people look at some of these tools like you know, talent markets like Upwork or crowdfunding sites like Kickstarter as only for small businesses or entrepreneurial companies or startup companies, and they're not. They're, these are tools that are available to organizations of any size, and what we're talking about is making use of people outside the organization don't believe that all the talent that you've got and that you'd ever need is within the, the walls of your organization or even your telecommuting team members. And we are really talking about reaching out to the rest of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the other thing you can do as an individual out-of-office worker is actually get out of the office more, uh, even, even if that means your home office. So meet in person. There are many opportunities that you've got to get to go out and meet people. And it can be quite tempting to work from home and stick in your home office all the time. And when you go out, it might only be for, for personal and social interactions rather than business interactions as well. But there are opportunities to do that. There are co-working venues uh, cropping up everywhere. Um, you can attend meetups. Uh, that are relevant to your work, so professional meetups in your city. If you just go to meetup.com and just have a look, it's amazing uh, what's available at the moment. Um, you can go to your whatever your professional industry group is. Um, I'm sure they've got local chapters and maybe an international conference uh, or national or international conference. Uh, and if if, that, if all of that isn't available, why don't you start your own? Meetup makes it very easy to do that. Uh, for example, I mentioned the business book club that I'm a member of. Um, I'm one of the two co-founders of that business book club. And um, my brother-in-law, Neil, and I decided that we like business books. So we'll just start a group where we get together every month and discuss it with other like-minded people. So, so don't feel that if you can't find the right thing that there's nothing available, um, the, the opportunity is there for you to create it. Excellent. 
And so one word of caution when it comes to reaching out to the rest of the world is just be careful about oversharing. So just need to keep in mind that some of the information that uh, you have and might want to share could be business critical. So just always be mindful of that. If you do want, if you do come across someone in the rest of the world or a group of people that you do want to speak openly and, and um, in detail about the things that you're working on, then you can use a non, non-disclosure agreement or something like that so that you then have the freedom to, to speak freely and openly. Usually that's as part of a professional engagement with them, so you're actually going to be paying them for their time or experience. Yeah, great. Okay, so we talked about how you as an out-of-office worker can innovate more. We talked about as you as a leader or manager of a distributed team can help your team members to innovate more. And we also talked about reaching out to the rest of the world. Any, any last words or any parting words or comments, Chris? Sure, I think just to summarise some of the things that we've said, there's a lot lot in there. We've, I think, only just scratched the surface, but as an individual out-of-office worker, make sure that you create opportunities for innovation in your work routine. You've got that flexibility, so make use of it and make available the time and space necessary for innovation. And then at the other end, when it comes to the rest of the world, use the wisdom of the crowd and their labour and their capital as part of your innovation process. So tap into that. Yeah, and I'd just repeat the comment I made earlier, which is that out-of-office workers are full team members and treat them as such, uh, especially when it comes to innovation, because it's very easy to to uh, ignore them or neglect them. So treat them as full team members and give them as many opportunities to innovate as you do to everybody else. And just look out for unintended barriers to innovation from your out-of-office or your remote workers and look out for them and make sure that you can remove them as well. And... Don't feel that it's your job as a leader or manager to find every way to bring your out-of-office workers into the innovation process. Ask them. Ask them for ideas as well. I'm sure they've got great ideas about how to be more involved in the innovation for their team. And I guess, you know, we started talking about those, those random bumps of people uh, bumping into each other in an in office team. And you're never going to get that when you've got a distributed team. You're never going to get that uh, unless we have holograms or telepresence <laughs> robots bumping into each other. But that doesn't matter. Uh, I think that's overrated and it's just been the way that innovation has happened in the past, but it doesn't have to be the way it happens in the future. And as we've discussed, there are many other things that we can do to create a culture of innovation in a distributed team. I hope you enjoyed the conversation that I had with Chris. I always enjoy talking with Chris about interesting topics because he does make them interesting and he does have an interesting perspective on them. So just before we finish up, a quick note about the next webinar that's coming up in my Future Proof webinar series. This one's called Authority. And it's about building credibility and establishing yourself as an authority. And this is a key leadership imperative, regardless of what kind of leader you are, whether you're running your own business or whether you're a leader within an organization. And it's important for many reasons. Uh, When you build authority, it's easy to stand out from the crowd. It's easy to convert prospective clients and customers into real clients and customers. It's easier to attract, engage and retain the best people, especially the smart, savvy millennials and other young people who are now making up the majority of our workforce. It gives you a competitive career advantage and there are some other reasons as well. So come along to the webinar on Thursday the 9th of June and I'll talk to you about how to build authority. It's free and you can register at seeingintothefuture.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and found something valuable for your personal and your professional life. And if you did get some value from it, I'd love it if you could do me a favor and give me a review and a rating in the iTunes store. And that helps to promote it to other people as well. 
And if you want me to share ideas like this live at your next conference, check out my speaking topics at gihanperera.com. You can also find out about my mentoring programs if you're interested in one-on-one work for yourself or your teams. And if you do want to engage with me in other ways, again, go to gihanperera.com where you can find my blog, my newsletter, my podcast, videos and webinar series. They're all free and they're all designed to help you leverage the potential of the individuals in your organization, your team and, of course, your own potential as well. This is Gihan Pereira. Bye for now. You've been listening to the iMatter Podcast. To subscribe, read the show notes, or leave your comments, visit iMatterPodcast.com. And remember, great minds don't think alike.